Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Living with XXY podcast series. I'm your host, Ryan Briganti. So in this podcast, we talk about men that were diagnosed with Klinefelter syndrome, uh, mothers that were diagnosed in utero, and boys across the spectrum that were diagnosed with Klinefelter syndrome um, at different ages. And today I have Ryan Brown, who's 41 years old, on the other line. What's going on, man? Hey, how you doing? Doing well. So Ryan is going to kind of talk about his story and and his diagnosis. Um, So kind of when... When did you, or how did you find out that you had Klinefelter syndrome? Um, me and my ex-wife, um, we were trying for kids, and we went through, uh, we're going through, um, you know, series of tests and um, trying to figure out why, um, you know, we weren't, she wasn't um, getting pregnant. So they, you know, had me go to. Um, I think it was a sperm, sperm bank or, um, and we like started there. And then after that, that, um, they wanted to, um, um, put me under a constant sedation and just kind of give me uh go through surgery that way. And then that's when, um, after they did all the, the studies and all the tests on my, um, after surgery, they, um, uh, um, uh, found out that you know I had the forty-seven XXY. So, how long were you guys trying for kids? Um, probably like a year and a half. Oh wow! And then yeah, and then did they did they like test your wife first, or did they immediately test you first? Um, well, they test both both of us. Um, because also she had. Um, at the time she had endometriosis. So like she would have like, um, a hard time, um, kind of like, uh, I guess, you know, the eggs just wouldn't stick. Um, so they, you know, they looked at her first, but then, um, she had also had like surgeries cause she has, uh, she had uh, fibroids. So they would clear out the fibroids and, um, kind of um, put her on like a birth control to um, so the fibroids wouldn't come back. So then you guys could try and and try to conceive naturally, and just nothing was happening. Yeah, nothing was happening, and so they ruled out. Let me, uh, they, you know, let's you know check check me check my sperm. So you and did the you did the sperm you did a sperm donation, kind of that awkward kind of doctor's office yeah. visit <laughs> yeah and actually i did it um they made me do it three times so it came back what they were it came back negative like the first time the second time and they were like let's do it a third time just to make sure right and so and then what what was kind of this surgery that you had done um before you found out um the surgery is a it's called, called testicular biopsy okay yeah, so they just kind of like cut me open, and they take out. Um, they took out. Um, I guess um, what is it? They took out something from my left, my left, and my uh, right um, testicle. Searching, they're searching for sperm. Yes. Okay. And did they? Was that unsuccessful? Yes. Yeah. And then. So once you had that surgery, they kind of 
did a karyotype? Did they do a karyotype during before the surgery or after? Um, I think they did. So looking at my files, they did the karyotype before, and um, the surgery was after. So did they not tell you that you had Klinefelter syndrome before you got the surgery they, done? They, they did it. What? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you kind of, yeah. you kind of, did you not really have a choice? Like in a way, did you not have a choice to do that surgery? Was it something that they kind of just like threw on you and said, well, we got to do this to figure it out? Yeah. This uh, told me I had to do the surgery. So I did it, um, you know, because I, I, I wanted to know, you know, what was going on. But I guess they knew already. So a huge lack of communication. So when you got the diagnosis, what what went through your mind? Like finding this out, how, how old were you? Uh, see, that was 14, uh, like what, eight years ago. So I was like uh, 30, 37. So what? When I was in thirty-seven. Sorry, I was in I was in my thirties, early thirties, early thirties. Yeah, early thirties. Yeah, no worries. Um, and so, what what was that kind of like for you finding out that you had this con- medical condition that you've never even heard of? Um, I was like devastated. I didn't want to tell anybody. I was heartbroken because like my whole idea, you know, I'll get married and, you know, I wanted, you know, kids, I wanted children and I couldn't, you know, produce it naturally. I was like, almost like depressed. Um, and it just like, like I would like cry too, you know, at night and, um, didn't know why, you know, this was happening and, um, it felt like really, really bad. And uh, especially because my my ex, she she wanted um, kids more than anything, uh, especially you know naturally. So but, you kind of it kind of hit home, and and was were you given any information other than like being infertile, or was the infertile like the most devastating aspect of finding out about the diagnosis at that time? Yeah, just the infertile, fertile. Um, the doctor that I had, or the, the one that did the surgery, he said, "Well, if you know if you feel like tired or anything, let me know, um, and we'll go from there." That's all he said. He didn't say, they like they didn't give me any kind of information at all. So I was just, just like going like blindsided um, about it. They didn't. They didn't offer. They didn't check your testosterone levels to see if your t- testosterone was normal or low or any of any of that information. No, don't give me anything. Wow. So you were kind of left in the dark with the diagnosis, knowing about it, and then how did how did the diagnosis affect your life once you like as the weeks and months went on? Well, you know what I like before like um, this came about. Um, like I would go to work and come back home, sleep, wake back up. And I could, you know, I would be hanging out with my friends and they would like always make a joke about like, I would just fall asleep out of nowhere. 
Um, even if I had like a good night's sleep, I would wake up. I was just, I would just be tired. Um, like I, I would end up like, um, my nails were like split in half and, um, cause I didn't know what was going on. But after, um, getting that diagnosis and then, um, studying like, well, later down the road, I looked it up and studying it. Um, I noticed that was like a part of it, I guess. Um, because after I went back to that doctor and he did prescribe um, testosterone, he, he looked at my testosterone and it was low. He prescribed it to me. And um, I noticed like an increase, I had an increase in, in energy. Like, I felt, I felt really, really good after taking that, you know, from taking those doses. Were you doing inter? Were you doing like injections, or what was the type of testosterone that they gave you? Uh, they gave me injections. Were you doing it yourself? Yep, yep. He, um, they showed me. Uh, well, they gave me a video um, to look at and um, showed me how to inject um, the intra intramuscular intramuscular um, injections. Were you doing it into your legs or into your glute? Uh, at that time, I was doing it into my into my glute. Um, so, so basically, you you kind of been since your diagnosis. Like, how many years or how much time went by between finding out about your diagnosis and then getting on testosterone? Um, I think it was only it was only about like probably like a year from that time. And then they put me on um, the testosterone, but they didn't really. They just gave me like, here, take the testosterone, and, and then that's it. So I'm taking testosterone, and I just keep, I'm just keep taking testosterone, you know, um, every week, and fell to didn't look at my level, just just kept, you know, um, giving it to me. I know it was like in like the six months time but when um i start having like symptoms because i think my testosterone um was too high i started getting like bloated i started bloating um and i started um just feeling different like i would i would wake up and i'd be like i felt like i was like overweight the next day, I would be fine. So you were having somewhat some type of side effect from like they weren't they weren't so you basically what I'm gathering is the medical system completely failed you when it came to getting diagnosed with Kleinfelter syndrome. Like no one knew anything about it. No one tried to give you any type of understanding or any type of information about it. It was kind of like you were given this, you found out you were infertile. And then you kind of went into hiding for a year. Like you didn't want to, like what was, was it hard to accept it? Or was it like you just wanted to brush it by because it didn't, other than the fertility, like it didn't affect you? Or how did that kind of go for you? Um, I did kind of like brush it by. Like I didn't want to, you know, have to go. Whatever. Actually, I try to um, go like the natural route. I try to um, eat foods that were, that were, you know, maybe, 
um, increasing like my um, testosterone and, and stuff like that um, before I actually got some medicine. But um, that was like a, a fail. It, it didn't. It didn't work. Um, but um, you know, it was just like embarrassed. Do you feel like you had? Sh- do you have shame around it? Like you, you were, like, did you Google it or did you just get the diagnosis and then kind of go into hiding? Like, did you? When did you kind of start to educate yourself? Um, it was it was after that year. I I, I um try to educate. You know, I mean, I was you know kind of like looked around, um, googled it, um, and. Also, like, I was trying to, like, um, search around if it was just, like, that natural way of doing it. Because I don't want to, like, I don't really like the needles and having to, you know, stick it in, you know, in, in any any part of my body, really. So kind of needle, did, did you have a, did you have a time period where you, like, were on testosterone and then you went off of it because of just the needle anxiety and just having to do it weekly? Yeah, yeah. So how many years? How many years were you on T before you decided to go off of it? Um, it was about like it was like two years. And then you went. Then you went off of it. Two and have you been on it since, or have you been off of it this whole time? Uh, no, no. Well, I'm back on. So, um, I went back on um, after two years, and then because of, like I needed it, I started to um, get really tired. Um, and that, that same thing happened. Like the, my, my nails would be so brittle. They would tear like right in half. Um, and then I also noticed, so I would like play a lot, a lot of sports and I start to like, like tear my muscles and, um, uh, had broke my foot. Um, so I figured that that might have played, you know, an important role into it. So I had went back um, to, I didn't go back to, to that doctor. I went to another one because I felt like that doctor just didn't really care. He just didn't give me, you know, much information on it. Um, and around that time, I had also talked to somebody um, about, like, bodybuilding. And he told me, um, and I, like, I explained to him, you know, what was going on. Kind of like, uh, he was almost like a, like a friend kind of thing. And he said, he told me the best thing for me, um, what I'm going through. And then also you want to get into bodybuilding. You have to have your, your levels have to be, um, balanced. So like the, the bloating and everything, um, was because uh, after I had my levels checked by, I went to a different um, endocrinologist and he actually, um, I guess, deals with it, the XXY. Well, he looked at my levels and my levels, they were uneven. They were way out, out of whack. My estrogen was so high. My testosterone was high. So then he prescribed um, uh, like a Remedex to balance my um, estrogen. So they and put just recently. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, so they put you on an estrogen blocker. Yeah, yeah, estrogen blocker. 
Um, and just recently, um, I just went back and my levels are fine. Um, so I think the only thing he had me do was, um, he said if I would, you know, cause I, I stopped eating fruit cause of like the sugar and everything. Um, to start eating like the colored, colored fruits because of the, it helps with the, the prostate. But I mean, other than that, like my levels are, are perfect now. So you kind of, what caused you to advocate for yourself in the sense of getting back on tea? Was it just the feeling of like lack of energy and just like wanting to sleep all the time? Yeah. Cause I like, I would go to work and um, sit down doing like paperwork at the desk. I just fall asleep out of nowhere. I'm like, I can't live like this. So I was just so good. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just, I just felt like I was just really so drained. Like I don't want to do anything. I had, I well, first of all, I don't have a lack. I had a lack of sex. I don't have a sex drive. Um, very irritable. And did the tea? What when when you went on tea for the first time, and then you know, kind of taking a break from it, like when you went on it the second time, did it give you the same? That did it bring your sex drive back? Did it give you? Did it do all the things that you like? Didn't realize that it was helping you when you got on it the second time. Oh yes, definitely, definitely, definitely did. So, what was kind of going back to you know finding out like you found out the diagnosis? The fertility was obviously a, ma- a massive thing. So, did it affect your marriage and and kind of how how did that play out? Um, it kind of yeah, she. Um, it kind of did, um, because she, like, had in her mind, you know, just growing up, like, she wanted her own, like, and naturally, um, and we did talk about, you know, having her, you know, do in vitro, um, and, you know, we, we went through that process, um, but it was just, just so hard on our body. Um, because all of all the, you know, medication and all the drugs that they give you um, for it, um, it was unsuccessful, but um, we just kind of continued to, you know, go on. But, it, like, in the back of her mind, it played out. Like, she just wanted to have that natural, that, you know, the natural um, birth with um, a child of her own. Um, so I mean that that's what it, you know that's the, the the start of it and after that kind of um, went south. So did you guys end up splitting up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We ended up uh, getting out of the board. So once once that kind of was that pretty devastating for you that you were married to someone that couldn't fully like get, couldn't accept your diagnosis in some aspect. Yeah, yeah, um, it, it, it did, um, but I just, uh, try to, um, you know, to, you know, counseling and, and just try to, you know, heal from it. Um, I can't, you know, change the way she thinks because she's, she's a, her own person. Um, I, I can only control what is, um, like with me. So I just, you know, continue to work on, you know, just 
um, motivating myself. So when you, when you kind of look back to your, your childhood after, you know, you kind of got, you, you split up because of not being able to have kids. And then you have this diagnosis that you don't really know anything about other than being on testosterone and not having the greatest medical care of people that are actually helping monitor and, and make that your, make sure your levels are like great, either not too high, not too low. When did you start, did you, did you start at some point like advocating for yourself or finding more information or going back to your childhood? Did you have like struggles in school or has, has, have things been pretty a-okay with you? Um, Well, like back in like, um, before in school, like I was like, I was like always like, uh, I was always overweight, um. I was very to myself. I didn't talk to much of anybody. I uh, only had probably had like two, maybe like one or two friends um, throughout my whole like school school days. How was, I was very shy? How was, was school shy. financially, or not finan- financially? Jeez, how was school? How was school uh, academically for you? Academically, um, I had. Some things I would um, excel in, and then other things it, it took a little bit of time um, for me to you know to learn and figure it out. Math was pretty easy, but like English was pretty hard for me. Um, and then being in front of like writing papers and doing book reports in front of the class, I just I couldn't do it. I was just so shy that. Um, it was hard. Like my to get my point across, it, it wasn't a thing. So school, as far as like it, when it comes to public speaking, I think when you look at public speaking and overall, um, it's the number one fear. People are more afraid of public speed, speaking than death, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. So as far as like getting as far as any indication that you potentially had this as you've researched and you've done more education yourself, like when you look back at your childhood, did you, you know, like small testicles is one of like the major things of having Klinefelter syndrome. Was there any indication there? Like now that you've, now that you're older? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. uh, Definitely. The small testicles. I've always had small testicles. Um, didn't know why, but that was just like a, a natural thing. Um, um, I definitely did have, um, you know, say they have the like the the boob or whatever. Glottocomastia. Yeah, got yeah, got a mask Um, uh, that was uh, present. Um, and even my doctor checked it before. When I went um, last year, he checked it, and he wanted to me to actually go get um, a test done for it um, to make sure that there was nothing there. And because it looked like it started to form a little bit, um, but by me taking the estrogen blocker, it um, reduced it. So you've kind of always had you've had glycomastia and then like weight, have you always had like weight around your stomach? Yes. Yep. So as, as a bodybuilder, like 
you know, working out and being at the gym all the time has, did you have self-consciousness growing up of having like glycomastia and your weight around your stomach? Or was it something that you, you learned how to deal with like later on in life? Uh, no. So in, um, like I, I, I played basketball, um, back in, I started like junior high, high school. And, um, that was definitely a big issue. Um, especially when, um, we would do shirts and skins in practice. And I can remember uh, a time when, um, coach was going down the line. He was like, shirt, skin, shirt, skin. And I'm like, oh, that's what he's going to do. So, like, let me switch over here with, with this, uh, with this guy. I stand, and I was, I was staying on the other side, thinking that he's going to count down and say, shirt. But when he, when he got to me, he said, skin, skin. I was like, oh man, this is the worst. Like, like this is not going to happen. But I mean, obviously it did. That, I thought that was like the worst day of my life. And did you, did you get bullied for it or anything like that growing up or? Um, not, not really. It just, uh, as I got a little older, I just got bullied for always, you know, wanting to sleep really. But, um, like they would, they would try to bully me, but, um, like one of the kids I was friends with, he was, um, he would like wouldn't let that happen. So you had a friend that stuck up for you. That's that's really awesome. Yeah. yeah. So kind of did you did you go to college? Like when you graduated, kind of what profession did you kind of go into um, when you graduated from high school? Um, I didn't. Well, at the at, at the t- after I graduated. I didn't really know what I wanted wanted to do, so I just kind of went, went to work. Um, and my my father was definitely like big on work. Um, if they called me in, if they wanted me to come in, he made me go. Like I couldn't do anything else except for work. So I went to work after um, college, and then like a year later, uh, I thought about I was going to get into accounting because you know like math. So I started, you know, taking some um, classes at a community college um, in accounting, and you know, I was I was pretty good at it. But I thought about it, I'm like, dang, do I want to sit at a, a desk all day just crunching numbers? Because that's what I thought about. Um, like, definitely not. Um, I then I end up switching my uh, major to um, to be a chef, um, but the well, the course study was restaurant management. So I, I switched to restaurant management um, because that, like food was definitely a, a passion of mine, but I just never thought about it. Um, switched it over and then um, was graduated uh, with a, um, it was just a, a associate in restaurant management. But after that, I just went from there. I started, you know, working restaurants and, um, catering you name it I, I tried it i did it that's that's awesome and how so how kind of how long have you been a chef for or worked in the restaurant kind of industry um roughly about probably like 20 years um i worked in, in uh, the industry 
Um, like I said, I started a restaurant, and um, right now um, I work for the state of Connecticut um, in departments of the, the, the Department of Development Developmental Services. So I'm pretty much like a, I'm a direct care worker um, for individuals who have men, uh, physical and um, mental disabilities. But my main focus, because they know I can cook, actually, um, when they found out I can cook, they kind of made me um, just in charge of the kitchen. So my number one focus is um, make sure, make sure the the diets are um, correct, the consistencies are correct, and then my second uh, duty is uh, to um, taking care of, of them. Is it a place? Is it like a place where people live and you supply the food, or is it food that's like dropped off? Oh no, it's a place where um, um, the individuals live. Okay, and uh, you uh, have to um, come up with different um, uh, menus every day it, because it's not like it's a set menu and you cook this this day, you cook that this, um, the other day. It's kind of like you go in and you make um, things according to um, their you know their program meal plan. So have you? I like chef, right? So have you kind of always been someone that's like a hand, like enjoys working with their hands, like as a visual learner, um, like get learns by doing instead of like kind of by listening. Is that kind of more your style? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's uh, definitely a hands-on um, kind of thing. And um, what age did you kind of learn that? Like what age did you realize that you were like good with doing, you know, with working with your hands? Uh, when I was in um, school uh, uh, in a restaurant, to be a, a restaurant management, the, um, that program, I, I learned, um, um, you know, the hands-on um, thing. Approach works best than actually, um, you know, just, you know, listening. And so kind of, I'm like, you know, you're doing this podcast today, like you're sharing your story and you've been, you got diagnosed like eight years ago, trying to, trying to have kids and kind of brushed it off the diagnosis, didn't really want to deal with it. And then kind of been advocating for yourself with testosterone, working out, like you want to become a bodybuilder, putting, like pushing your body to limits that I'm sure doctors and like what you've read online says you're not capable of doing like why did you kind of want to put your story out there why did you want to like talk about this and and share well because i like i'm definitely you know i I love to help you know help help out people um and any information i can give or anything that i can do um to show something that you know it can be done um i'm definitely all about it um, I you know definitely you know love to give my you know time and my my service to anybody I can help. Um, but I just wanted to show that um, if you put your mind to it, 
you can do anything that you you know want to uh, you know want to accomplish. Um, just you know through hard work um, and um, diligence. Yeah, I mean it can be done. And when you found out about like you know you've had this diagnosis for quite a while now, have you told? Has has it been difficult opening up about it and like, or when you found out, did you tell your parents or family or friends about it? Um, I did. I did. I um, after you know going through you know counseling and um, just um, a lot of the the stuff uh, I listen to is, is uh, motiv- motivational. I try to do some more, you know my motivation in the morning. Um, I'm just uh, building my mind. I was able to open up. Um, I don't have a problem with, you know, telling anyone. Um, I said I told, you know, um, some people about the, you know, the podcast that I was going to do. Um, and, um, yeah, I told my, my, my family um, at first, like my mother. She really didn't, like, accept this. She's like, no, no, no. If you do, do this, try this and this. Like, Mom, I've already tried all that. It doesn't work, like. Uh, medically, this is what I have to do. Um, and she came to, you know, realize that um, that's what, you know, that's what I have to do. And she's very accepting. She's um, definitely a great mom. Um, yeah, so, like, my, well, and my father is uh, deceased. But um, he he always had my back and you know, whatever I decided to do or he was also very understanding, um, but yeah, they're they they understand they um, they support me and whatever you know I do, um, you know, just so you know I don't you know just get into any trouble. But I'm I'm not that kind of person anyway. And what about dating? Yeah, because you're open up, you've opened up about it and you're becoming more confident with yourself and, um, putting yourself out there, finding new information. How's, how's kind of dating life been for you knowing that you can't have kids and is it something that you're pretty forward with or how does that go? Um, yeah. Um, well, when I was dating, um, cause I have a, a significant other right now, but um, when I was dating, um, some people would accept it. Some people wouldn't. Um, they thought um, one like one person was like, "Oh, this is drama." I'm like, "No, it's my life." Um, but if you see it as drama, then you know, obviously, you're not the the one for me. Um, but just being open and transparent with um, other people um, gives them, you know, they. I mean, they also have a choice to either say yes or no. Um, but most of the time, you know, people on the outside looking in, they don't they don't see anything as, you know, being wrong. Um, my girlfriend right now, she's open to, you know, if I if if we decide to, um, open to having, you know, just adopting um children because there's children out there that that need um, you know, great parents. Uh, yeah definitely it's it's that's awesome that you're you've chosen to go the open route and that you're you're not you're like not ashamed of who you are and um that other people find you know that I think that's one of the hardest parts about this about having this is like we're hiding in plain sight like there's 
other than having small testicles, which you don't really like walk around and, you know, show people those, um, it's, uh, no one would ever know. Um, and I've seen some of your photos on your Instagram and like, you've got tons of muscle and to, to say that, you know, like, like low muscle tone is something with XXY and like, obviously testosterone will help probably build muscle and give you energy to be motivated to work out and do your, like what, what's your workout routine right now? Um, right now. So, um, I'm actually, um, I, the base is, is, is the same. I go to the gym, um, I'll do legs and shoulders. Um, sometimes, or sometimes I'll just, uh, do a body part a day if, if I have that, um, opportunity, um, usually on my off, uh, week and when I'm not at work, I'll, I'll do a, a body part a day, but on my on week, I have to do, um, two body parts, um, uh, a day. Um, so like I usually like, like legs and shoulders, um, I might do chest and like arms, um, back, back and shoulders I can do. But, um, and, and then sometimes it, it switches because I, like, I'm trying, I'll, I'll try to, um, trick, trick the body because the body, if you do something every day over and over, your body will get used to it. So I try to, um, change it up. So I'm on a plateau. No. But right now, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, no, no. Um, and also like I have a, um, a bodybuilding coach, um, he's actually been helping me along the way. He's a great, great, great coach. Um, so he gives me, well, every time, you know, I train, train with him, there's always something new that I'm doing, um, that I'm learning. So he, he's not only training me, but he's educating me on how to, um, win for one, for one. And also to um, take care of my body. Um, so, but more so take take care of your, my body for a long, the longevity of, of the sport. And does, does being on testosterone, is that something that um, you've seen like major benefit in building muscle and working out as far as that goes? I mean, I guess when you were off of it, you probably weren't trying to become a bodybuilder. So you might not have like the comparison. Right. Um, yeah, it is hard to compare with that, but like, so just even to take, well, if I'm only, cause like, um, is like, so with like bodybuilding, there's like different, um, um, levels of it. So like right now I would be like classic physique, but I'm not, you know, it's not like I'm getting like anything, um, crazy of like getting crazy amount of testosterone because all you need is just to balance your levels out. Um, and then go from there. It's the food that you eat when you eat it. How many times, like, is this, it's such a science to it. Um, there's all kinds of stuff. There's like NCT oil. So I'm like taking MCT oil and that converts like the sugar into energy and the, the rest of it, is, it, you know, comes out. That helps out. It's made from like uh, coconut. So that, um, because when you first start out, like with bodybuilding, you want to get as lean as possible. 
and then add on um, the the muscle. It's kind of hard to add on weight and then lean out. Makes kind of makes kind of sense as far as just that aspect goes. And so, so kind of like what with with doing everything that you've done in your life so far, and and being a chef for the last twenty years, and finding out later on in life that you can't can't have biological children and then finding out that you had this syndrome, like, you know, having this XXY or the syndrome put like brushing it off. And then finally at some point, like being like, well, this is me. I can't change it. I'm going to accept myself for who I am and I'm going to try to be the best version of me I can. And now you're putting yourself out there to, you know, show people, Hey, this is me. This is just another one other person with Kleinfelder syndrome. That's, you know, living happy, good life works out at the gym what would you tell kind of newly diagnosed mothers or other guys that are finding out that they have Kleinfelder syndrome, you know, now? Um, definitely. Um, because everybody's not the same. Um, but definitely, you know, being in the know um, just about the, the syndrome, uh, what to expect, but um, also just, um Probably just keeping, you know, um, it's a bit clear head for them, but just um, motivating that child to be his best, no matter you know what what you know um, they might feel or or you know people might say, but just you know be their best. It's a good message. Is there any other topics that we haven't really talked about that you wanted to talk about or any other things that you wanted to say? Um, yeah, no, I, I also wanted to say, like, when I look at 47XXY, um, and, like, you most likely need to put it in any aspect of what they're, you know, anyone's trying to do, um, whether it be, you know, financial or whatever goals they might have. Um, um, I look at it as that we have to work out or so like for me, like in the gym with the workout 47 times, the next thing, because, uh, you know, 47 X, X, Y. So 47 times, um, I regular man X, Y. That's why I always, um, think about. And that's what I'm always about. That's what I, I do every day. So do you feel like because you have that extra X, because you have the 47 instead of the 46, that you have to push yourself more each day when you're either at the gym or in life in general? Like you have to try harder. You have to put the extra energy in and the extra effort. Yep, definitely. That's a good. That's a good motto just to know that like, okay, I got it. I got to, I have got 47. I'm going to put one, like I'm going to put one extra effort in today than everyone else. Or, you know, that extra effort is on me. Right. That's, that's a, I like that. That's a good accountability aspect of knowing like, okay, everyone else is going to do 46 today. I'm going to do 47. And just that. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, man, it's been, it's been wonderful just kind of talking to you and, and, sharing a little bit about your diagnosis and I'm excited to follow you on your bodybuilding journey. And, um, as you're, you know, continuing to 
go down this route. Maybe um, we could do something along the lines of, you know, writing out your nutritional diet or write, you know, writing out kind of some, or like kind of coming up with a blog post or something on how, you know, your workout routine or something like that. Cause there are quite a few guys in the community that actually love bodybuilding um, and their doctors all told them like, you're not going to gain muscle. You're, there's no way you're going to be a bodybuilder. And now they are. And it's really, yep. it's really incredible to see like what determination and drive and holding yourself accountable does regardless of what people can't like tell you can or can't do. Exactly. So with that, I mean, I appreciate just sharing your story and putting yourself out there and, and um, you know, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care.